rehearse are empty and the stages are all dark We can't be asked to make sourdough when they've locked our local park We're a pair of nosy parkers with not much to do So we've called up some of our performer friends and recorded them on Zoom Curtain Twitchers We're Curtain Twitchers Hello everyone and welcome back to season two of Curtain Twitchers. I can't believe we got commissioned for another series. We are so good. Oh, we are, aren't we? I really want to thank the good people in charge of commissioning on the internet for believing in us enough to let us record, produce and upload this ourselves. And actually we should say a huge thanks to our sponsors who do not, I'm proud to say, exist. Woohoo! Editorial freedom! That's what we're after, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. So, Happy New Year to you, Liv. Oh, Happy New Year to you, George. Oh, How wishing you? you all the best for the year ahead. Yeah, well, let's hope it's a better one, eh? Yeah. Do you think it will be? Yes, no. Well, that's, it's good to be realistic, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? It is, isn't it? I really wanted to be positive there. No, I do. I do feel like it'll be a good one. It's going to be different. That's and good is different is good <laughs> it can be sometimes that's a real shady comment after a show oh that, yeah. oh, that was different. different that was really different but i'll leave that with you as david hall says right shall we dive into the chat with this episode's guest who is it well it is the incredibly brilliant mawan rizwan mawan is a comedian actor writer musician youtube star documentary maker and all-round icon who's far too talented and should leave some of it for the rest of us thanks totally he has just appeared on the latest series of channel 4's Taskmaster, starred in the Sky and HBO miniseries Two Weeks to Live, is a writer for Netflix's Sex Education and was named in Forbes' 30 Under 30 Movers list in 2020. Oh, for goodness God. sake, God! Well, to punish Mawan for his success, we made him come and meet us at our studio in a very hard-to-find location in East London on a very dark, cold night back in October. This was when we were actually allowed to meet up inside. Mm. We'd just like to say that, albeit yeah. at a COVID-safe distance. Let's see how we got on. Curtain twitchers. We're curtain twitchers. Hi, so um, we're waiting on a street corner. Yeah, in Bow. Uh, and uh, we've challenged, uh, we're waiting for Moan Rizwan, and we've challenged uh, Moan to, to find us outside a pub. I believe his phone is dead. Um, um, he has confirmed the address. But how will he know? Unless he wrote it in Bayrou on his hand. Yeah. But this is what's exciting, because, you know, he's, he's used to getting set tasks. Yeah. Getting set tasks, because um, he's on Taskmaster. So this is a, probably the greatest challenge he'll face. Cars car driving. Cars got tinted windows. Yeah, I, I am sort of expecting he's going to arrive in like a blacked out limo. Yeah, he's that level now. Yeah. Um, or he's just going to arrive quite a bit stressed and sweaty and apologetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the other <laughs> That's option. That's the other option. Either way, we hope he makes it because it's it is a bit sketchy around here, to be honest. <laughs> and it's also quite cold. Yeah. Okay, so I think is that him? Is that him? There he That's is. That's him. He's here. In a, massive blacked out car that just yeah we were right he's arrived <laughs> we were really, really worried. worried we've called everyone everyone put your beard down you no sorry. i reckon that will do some funny sounds oh yeah oh yeah i shouldn't do that either what is this a piano mm. i'll just hold it just cradle it i'm ready <laughs> So we've already kind of started this because we were waiting in the street for you and we were worried that you had been kidnapped or... Yeah. Um... But then we realised, of course, you are on Taskmaster. So this is like, that, that was just like, you were born to do that because yeah. you've been problem solving. Yeah, um... you can find a remote pub in Bow. 
<laughs> only if it's in a wax sealed envelope you know what I mean the I task yeah. <laughs> yeah otherwise generally in life it's like I mean I've only what I've been in London for like nine ten years so where got, did you grow up? Uh, Ilford oh. Essex um, did your mum live in Ilford still? yeah but no she's actually just moved actually <laughs> uh, <laughs> she literally two days ago moved Right. So in my head, she's still in Ilford, but she's not now. Okay. Right. But you know what my housewarming gift was? What? I helped her do a self-tape. Oh, oh so, yeah. I mean, mom... not everyone gets to say that. I was just helping my mum with an audition today. No. But no. I do help her a lot, so I don't need to take on a plant. Your mum was famous and worked before you, <laughs> before you were, right? No. No, I, no right. it's all Tell because of me and it's all... <laughs> <laughs> she was a nobody before I made her a star. Um, no, she used to, um, uh, she, okay, oh, it goes way back, okay, so she, she grew up in Karachi in the 60s, and her dad used to work in this um, uh, film industry, set, what am I talking about, film, what's it called, studio, and he used to like sell film reels to the, the films, and then one day, a one of the act child actors didn't turn up. And he was like, I, I, I can bring my kids. Um, he was desperate <laughs> for the money. He went home and then the only kid, it was, it was a boy that needed to replace him, but the only kid that he had that was of a similar age was my mum. And so he shaved her hair off, <gasps> took her to the studio and went, here you go, his, his name's Jimmy. <laughs> God, did she shave his dad? Uh-huh. So she was, yeah, so she, she acted in loads of films up until the age of about... 13 she was in like 30 black and white films she Whoa. was a huge child star she won loads of awards she was basically the macaulay culkin of karachi and her whole family were living off her wage wow. a family of like nine siblings or whatever hmm. and then she got to she hit pb and then her dad was like listen like it's not a respectable thing for a woman to do um so she had to stop uh, but she kind of lived her whole child as a as hmm. a boy and so, like, when she started getting breasts and she started, like, you know, having to sit with the girls, she'd, she felt like she was in the wrong body and all this stuff. And, yeah, and, and anyway, and this, she's just had a very crazy life. And she had to, like, stop that and then sort of had this quite confusing time around identity and then got into teaching and then migrated to the UK with two kids. Had to obviously stop teaching because there's no teaching jobs that wanted you know, that were easy for immigrants to get at that time. So, yeah, she, like, worked as a cleaner, worked as, like, anything. Uh, and then, like, built her life up from scratch. And then a few years later, my dad came. And, so, yeah, she's had, like, quite a tough life. And then I started making YouTube videos when I was, like, 19. Mm. No, about 16, 17. And then they started getting views. And I used to put her in them because she's really funny. And then she got spotted in one of them. And the producer in India was like, we want to cast her in a, in a TV show. And she went over and worked as a Bollywood actress for five years. That's and so then, amazing. And then came back to England, signed with my agent, and now I, now I help her do the freaking audition. <laughs> She's meant to be helping me. I'm the child. So you come from showbiz royalty, basically. That's yeah. It's funny. Like it's definitely in our blood. Like my brother. My brother's an actor now as yeah. well. Like and actually, like I thought, I thought I had a really strict upbringing with loads of rules. And, like, education was really key. But actually, thinking about it, like, we were always artistic. We were sort of, like, closet artistic. People who, like, consumed and did art, but in, mm. in their own kind of immigrant way. And, and now I'm really appreciating all that my mum my especially did for us around, like, like, culturally. Like, 
we were tapped into loads of stuff that we didn't even think was cool at the time. And now I'm like, oh, what a rich well to pull from when I'm like writing a show or yeah. doing yeah. anything. Yeah. And I guess like your mum would have helped you under, like place value on art and, and culture like as, a, as something that was important. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, like there's that stereotype of like Asian parents want immigrant parents wanting their kids to be doctors or lawyers or right, that. Yeah. yeah. My mum wanted to like, oh, actually, I've got a couple of lawyer friends now. And I'm like, ah, I get it. That's why she wanted to be like, they're salaries, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. know. <laughs> I'm like, mum, why couldn't you be more of a stereotype? Yeah. I, I would love to. Have... <laughs> why am I doing comedy, man? Why did you let me do this shit? It's a fucking grind. But. Yeah, so I, pre- I appreciate that. But then my mum was always like, like you know, I never went to university. Like, we were all fairly, like, unorthodox in the way we, like, like you know, explored our, like, artistic abilities. Mm. So, it's, yeah, I'm, like, really grateful, actually. She was really cool. And she used to stay up all night painting and things wow. like that. But this is after, like, doing three jobs and also, like... Um, going through an eight-year battle with immigration because we, like, nearly got deported. And then, like, just loads of, like, tension and financial struggle and, like, security struggle and, like, her marriage was on the rocks and just so much shit going on. Uh, like and this fear that we were, like, could have, we might have to leave the country at any point, like, like, for the majority of our childhood. And in amongst all that, I don't know how, but she found time to, like, put on community plays. She would get... She would teach English to loads of like um loads of immigrants and then as a way of their like final exam or like their like wait like curriculum to learn english she would get them to be in her place because <laughs> in a way she's like free actors yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> but then they would also have to like learn lines mm. perform something in front of a crowd you know and she would book out like ilford town hall like they weren't small venues Whoa. and she would put up sets and she would do all this it was incredible what she managed but, you know, I don't know how she did all that and found time for art. Because mm. that's that's the one thing that gets left behind. Yeah. It becomes so... Well, for a lot of people, but I guess if it's, like, so important, like, sometimes it's a necessity, isn't it? It can't get left behind. Like, you have to do it. So it sounds like it was as natural to your mum to therefore do a play as it was to go to work. Like, they, they, they were part yeah. and part... They were the same... They had, She had the same drive to both of them. Which is like yeah, which is true artist really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but they like were, they weren't great plays. <laughs> <laughs> but also like the power. Oh the no, no, I was gonna say the power of art. I don't want to say that. The ability for like art to be more than just a luxury, to actually be like a supportive thing for people. Like I do think that we 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 often think about like performance and art and culture especially at the moment with people like debating whether we should even have it you know why should the government give money mm. to culture like as if it is a, and you know it is a luxury but it is also a necessity because it's more than just faffing around on stage yeah. and, like yeah. for people like i mean sometimes we tell you we tell ourselves that every day <laughs> not just laughing around oh, yeah but like, were these just, like, <laughs> these sequins are going to change lives <laughs> yeah but it's true. Yeah. So much trauma was processed, I right. reckon, in those plays. So much thing, like you know, we didn't have access to therapy. Not even just the money, just the, the culturally, it wasn't a thing. Yeah. You know, mental health wasn't a thing. My dad, my dad was depressed. Like he, but there was no word for it. Yeah. You couldn't be like, I'm depressed. Yeah. Or you couldn't be like, Oh, this is how I seek help. And so, when there's so, there's like such so many like lack of resources, 
you know, I've, the, the the plays, the creative stuff, that, that was a saviour. Like, mm. it was just... I remember when I made YouTube videos, because it was quite a strict upbringing, when I made the videos, somehow my parents were just like, yeah, whatever, I'll do it, even though they were really stressed. And then... When they were in the videos, they were really funny. Like, both my mum and... And I got my dad to do things that he... Like, I could never have imagined, you know? And it it made me like them as people. I was like, oh, my parents are funny. And there was... My inner child was, like, comforted. Like, no matter what happens, even if shit is hitting the fan, I like these people. They have humour. They have... You know, they can laugh at some of their pain. Like, we're going to be all right. And so, actually, the, the videos, it was... If I didn't do the videos, I don't think I'd have the relationship I do with my parents. Because it also forced us to be open. I, I wrote a lot of stuff around my queerness or not understanding some of my identi- various identities were, was processed on camera. In terrible comedy sketches and videos that like <laughs> should never be watched. And many of them are private. <laughs> and many of them I've left up as well because there's something special about yeah. the, like, yeah. the shittiness of them. But the real, the real thing that, that was important about that time in those videos was what it did for me and my parents. Yeah, like it gave you like a frame or like your parents like a kind of permission to play. Like yeah, but it's not us as a character. I was yeah. like, we're, we're, we're wearing a silly wig. Anything goes. Yeah, I came out to my mum on camera, did you? and then it was so harrowing and bad because <laughs> we were just making a silly like rap freestyle shitty YouTube challenge video. And then it just came out. She said something a bit homophobic. And I was like, well, what if one of your kids was gay? And she went, well, they're not. And I was like, well, what if? What if I told you? I would? She, and then it just went, it was, went really badly. And I never watched the footage back. And I never uploaded that video. Oh. I was so traumatised by the whole thing. And we've been on a journey. And it's been really great. It's great now. And it's been good. And we've all grown from it. But it's so funny. Like, something about the camera being there gave me the bravery to yeah. just be like, mm. fuck it. I... 100% use wig and makeup and character and costume to do things that I would definitely not feel comfortable doing. Yeah, like, yeah, it's kind of like alcohol. Like sometimes I wake up in the morning after a show and I feel like embarrassed like I would after a yeah. night of being pissed. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God, like, yeah. Did I get on stage last night and like say that shit to an audience, to a room full of people? Like, yeah. And, but there's some, there's a, there, that is a bit magical, isn't it? Because people in the audience, I definitely go to see stuff to live vicariously through this like, unhinged drag queen I'm watching or whatever like I'm like go on dude say the thing we can't say yeah. Yeah. in a safe space and in a way which is not like punching down but yeah. but yeah. go on do that thing that we're, society doesn't allow us to do and so like that, that's that, that probably means that's you 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 did some good and took risks and you know yeah I mean? maybe yeah yeah and I think it's also why it's often I find it's better not to be drunk when you get on stage because it's like they're very different mental states actually yeah. like the liberation that you get from being like in the adrenaline of the moment and being with an audience and stuff it's like you actually do have to still have quite a lot of clarity in your mind i think for it to actually be good yeah and a lot and of then, focus goes into focus. looking like you're having fun yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally, yeah totally totally and people often like and i'll make jokes on stage as well about like ketamine or whatever or like not not that like i'm high on stage i'm not suggesting i'm high on stage but there's this kind of looseness to my act which is mm. like i'm just a i'm just a fun loving guy yeah. i'm for a good time and you know i walk off stage and, we, and like make notes and and like you know what i mean like there's like yeah. there's like studiousness behind yeah. yeah totally i remember that when we you did our show wilton's musical and you were like 
really like I've got deadlines I've got to do this I mean we did end up also going to the Queen Adelaide to about 2am the first night <laughs> oh I forgot about that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the second no, time you were like because, absolutely not but, but that's like, because I like you as humans yeah. and that's actually that's actually you got like yeah but that was get that work. when you can as well because yeah. you, you know yeah. it is a grind isn't it this so yeah. you got to get your joy where you can as well but I was, yeah, I was definitely like, we were, I think we were having a conversation about work ethic and like making sure that you make time yeah. for writing. And I was like, oh, that, not that it surprised me, but like, it's your, you are very loose and like fun and it's all like party, like that's the kind of vibe that you have on stage, which yeah. is really good because people then like come with you and be like, hey, this is fun, this is easy. And I feel like then you have this like little Trojan horse where you can get some stuff in. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Hey, we're all just friends, we're just having fun. Bang! politics but <laughs> yeah 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 but then yeah you were definitely i remember thinking oh he's but he's like he's a worker tell you about my yeah. work yeah. and then getting around the shots on a tuesday night <laughs> that, that really sound hard. like me yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm a really hard worker i've got deadlines <laughs> yeah, yeah. well so, i'm oscillating between the two all the time isn't it because you do have to negotiate with yourself it's like the discipline is hardcore mm. yeah because I have really big dreams and I have really big like things I want to achieve and I can't achieve them without putting in the work but every now and again I'm just like oh it's too much and I just need to like just surrender and be a kid again yeah yeah hence I'm justifying why I was yeah. out that <laughs> totally night and I don't need to justify you're right I'm, not, I'm an adult but... but that's also part of the thing that I'm that's one of the things I'm missing from lockdown I was saying to you earlier yeah spontaneity is like totally gone generally hasn't it yeah. like all of life with lockdown there's no like imagine. follow the yellow brick road there's, where could the night go yeah. anymore yeah it's like I know exactly where it's going I'm, I've got to be out by 9.55pm yeah <laughs> but oh. do you but do you think you'll gig differently after all this it's a good question um I wonder if we will it's made me question how much I actually miss performance, yeah. like live performance. I do miss it to an extent, but I don't miss it in the way that I need to be. That we need to say yes to every gig and we need to be like, I don't think I miss that. Like, no. the, the, I've, I've actually, in a way, kind of forced you. We've had to say no to stuff because there's nothing to say yes to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just That's to be clear, it's not thing. that we're not getting offers, it's we're saying no before they come. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I don't know if we were always that good at saying no to gigs previously no. for a while, and now it's kind and of like, oh, really it's actually all right. Stroppy and pissed yeah, off about being be someone. Like, How dare they give us this gig? I can gig be such a grumpy little <laughs> yeah. prat when I'm like in a like in a dressing room at a gig. I've said yes to him. Like, I'll be on do this fucking yeah. show. So I'm like, because I was making you. <laughs> I know, but sometimes you know you're like, I could have been with a friend, or I could. Yeah. I I didn't go to my friends like thing or event or I yeah. did you know what I mean and all my other friends are there and or you know I like I really had to like negotiate not being somewhere with my boyfriend and he really wanted me to be there to be at this gig. so then you do end up getting resentful if you go there and there's no love in the room and there's you know you don't yeah. meet and the other acts are all just like doing their stuff yeah there's no human connection or interaction you end up going what's what's life right now what is life yeah <laughs> but I, I think I think I will I really didn't miss gigging mm. When it, when it first happened. And that made me think, oh shit, maybe it's not my true calling. Maybe I'm not meant to be a performer. Maybe like I need to live in a cave somewhere and meditate all the time, which not that I did anyway. But I just thought, so that worried me. But then I was like, no, it's the, it's the type of gigs I do. Mm. And like, I'm going to do gigs now, but I'm going to follow my joy. I'm going to purely follow my bliss. Yeah. What makes me happy, you know, like there's not mu that much money in gigs. 
Mm. So then it's just about the people and whether you're getting to do the material you want to do and, yeah. and take risks and enjoy it and like live on the edge of it with what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Creatively. You've done a lot of TV stuff, particularly during like since lockdown, right? Would yeah. Weird, weird. Yeah. I've really, yeah. You were kind of heading that way anyway. And then it did it like just kind of fortuitously happen in this period. Or would you think it like ramped up as a result of? I think I was working like crazy up until lockdown. Actually, yeah. when lockdown happened, I was really relieved. And it's a weird thing to say as well, because so many people have such a shit time. And friends and family as well, just like, in terms of mental health, physical health, everything, everything's just so down. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I'm, my Instagram looks hot right now. <laughs> See you on the Graham Norton show, bye. <laughs> but like, yeah, I think I was just like working loads and then a lot of that stuff just came out yeah. during the year. So it's been a, it's been a mad it's been a mad year like yeah, and I feel like loads of people are like oh my god you're doing amazing with it like you can it's more it's less the work you're doing it's more other people's reaction yeah. that makes you go oh yeah I guess I am doing pretty well like if no one said anything my life would sort of just be how it was for the last year like I'm, I do a job I go home and then you know what I mean mm. yeah do have you do you notice it more like in the street as well and more people recognizing you well. It's hard to tell during COVID because I just wear a mask. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Can you get, like, the lower part of your mask just printed with your actual, like, lower jaw? Just yeah. So. And an arrow. Yes, it's me. <laughs> I have to remove the mask. Your Twitter up. handle is where your teeth yeah. should be. It's really inconvenient. The year I'm getting the most TV work, yeah. I can't see my fucking face. Because um, you have been on, like, I mean, I remember I watched How Gay Is Pakistan whenever that was first broadcast. Yeah. How, how long ago was that? Was that 10 years ago? No. Nah, like... Because you cause that that to me that was like you were quite famous then, and then you came and did the Royal Variety Show, and I was like, oh, my Wamra's one's coming. It's like he's pretty famous. Oh so, really? So yeah, I feel so. But so it's interesting because you must have sort of you've seen it in like growing levels of like. Oh. I don't know. Yeah. See, that was this. I think everything I'm, I've done, I'm like, I feel like I'm the. They, I'm just a random guy that they've given a chance <laughs> to do that thing. Like I'm not a documentary maker, and I made this documentary because it was really close to my heart. I pitched it. Like, I really, it was really personal. And then I didn't do many documentaries after that. Because I was like, I don't want to be a journalist, you know. Mm. Um, and then I did, I'd do another thing. And then I did a drama. And then I was on Vera or whatever. And you just, I don't know, you just try on different costumes. And you're mm. like, oh, not for me, not for me. Oh. Like, fame and recognition is such, like, an elusive, weird thing, right? And it's like, you can't really define it. Like, it kind of, no, like, yeah, yeah. you know, every now and again, someone will stop you in the street. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I guess they saw that thing mm. then you go on the graham norton show and you're like no one knows me right and you're like and there's an air everyone's like who's this guy right and that's and that's good yeah because there's a freedom in that and at the same time you're constantly sort of reminded ah, i think I, I know i know what it is i think the more work you get like that you're around more famous people so actually you're constantly taken out of your context and you're the least famous person around those people. So you always feel more like you're not that big. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, like, when you're sitting next to Kristen Scott Thomas, then you may be like, oh, nobody knows <laughs> quite who I am. Yeah, but including Kristen Scott Thomas. <laughs> 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 then in another room of people, people are like, oh my God, it's Mohan. You know, it is relative, isn't it? Fame as well. It's, yeah, it's so weird. Yeah. So um, do you write a song a day? Did you say it once that you... Yeah, I think I said that to this. you in that phase where I was writing a song a day. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that phase. Nah. Yeah. Well, funnily enough, I did that when I was on the writer's room for Sex Education. Oh, yeah. Because there was something about working for someone else and writing every day. Like, I was using my brain in this specific way. 
and then on the bus home or to cycle home there'd be a met like o- automatically like a melody or a thing that would just come oh. and like obviously quite often they were shit and it's that thing of like get your 20 poos out before you get a gold yeah. do you know what I mean yeah but something about I think it's because I was just at five weeks writer's room and the discipline and the the routine of that just these songs kept coming yeah and so then I would just yeah so I was yeah so I was doing a song a day then not now now I'm on like a song a fortnight no but when I say song I mean <laughs> like a mumble into a phone do you know what I mean and I'm like yeah there's something in this I think it's going to be a song about donkeys cool 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 and then I'll just like forget that recording and then in a year's time I'll be like I'll come back to him and be like the melody works but it's not a song about donkeys it's a song about the patriarchy great <laughs> <laughs> the only other the other obvious songs yeah, yeah, yeah yeah it's donkeys or patriarchy but like I like he's so because it's like it's bigger than me. I cannot be too arrogant about what is good or what is bad too early on. So I record everything, store it, and it's there. And then I, it's all organized in my Google Drives. And in terms of like melodies or themes or th- like it's all organized. And and there's so much shit in there. But I know in a year's time when I need to write a show and I need to come up with songs and stuff, I'll go to that and be like, boom, done. You're like, is it was who was it? Joan Rivers who oh, used to God, have yeah. like, like um like Rolodex, yeah, yeah. Of, like no. jokes, and she'd just be like, she'd oh, t- I've got a joke about that. She'd like come to filing cabinets. <laughs> she put a show together and it'd like different themes, and she'd like open each theme, like put them together, and she'd like reorder them, and then be like, that's my show, and then go on stage. Oh my God, you are Joan Rivers. I love the idea of like what you perform is comedy. But the way you organise it is like an accountant. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Totally. Like with those really old grey filing cabinets. <laughs> That's exactly what it looks like. Oh it's God, like an yes. old grey filing cabinet. And then it's Joan Rivers just like fully like quaffed up, like blinged on her phone, like in this like room, which is like the Palace of Versailles, just putting the show together with her assistants. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That could be you. That could be me. Finding I need to get me them filing cabinets. Yeah. <laughs> Your assistant on Google Drive. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Google <laughs> Drive. <laughs> Google Assist, actually, you know. There you go. It's all digital now, isn't it? <laughs> Who needs humans? But there's something. This I love organizing. I love color coding. I love. It's funny because I don't think I put out that persona. I think no. I put out quite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe I need to mention ketamine less in my act. I think it's giving the wrong message. Mention no, color I... coding more. Yeah. No, I... <laughs> love it. I can't... because what the work I'm doing is chaotic. So to counteract that, mm. I need. Like old, my room is always really clean. It makes it also makes me feel like I'm on top of shit. Yeah. Because so much of this whole work is so out of control that you kind of need to get your control where you can. Yeah. 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 When I have like a list of things of actually achievable tasks in the day, it's so exciting because write a song is just not an achievable task that you can necessarily do in a day or like yeah. make a show. But if it's like you know, fill in the spreadsheet. I'm like, I can actually achieve that. I also like to, because you can also rebel against that. Like I find that like, if it's like write a song, I'll always rebel against the thing I've told myself I'm going to do. Exactly. So if I write a list of things like do your taxes, I will start writing a song. Exactly. But if I say write a song, I will start doing my taxes. So if you really do need to just want to be creative, write a list of all the administrative stuff. That's so true. Just don't do it on the day of the deadline of the taxes. Because that's what I do. Yeah. But would you also find when you're writing a song, like, or, or anything creative, like, even, this happens with the stand-up as well, like, I will, time just isn't a concept. So I'll be like, great, I'll do this for three hours, then I'll do that, then I'll do it, and then I'll do, do, do the cleaning, and then I'll do run that errand. 
and then it's like I haven't had lunch I haven't had yeah. dinner yeah. and I'm in this vortex and I can't stop it's like I can't, there's nothing to grab onto I mean, yeah. the, all yeah. of the surfaces are slippery and yeah. I'm just sliding into this tunnel of a donkey song <laughs> <laughs> what happens is when I'm in in that vortex of creativity I get so obsessed I often like kill the very thing that was good about it yeah and I haven't mastered it yet like I still I'm not sure how but like I'll have this like really exciting idea for a song or a thing and this could be of any art form and you, I start and I'm so optimistic and then I'll just like spiral into and partly that's to do with because I haven't moved I haven't like had water I haven't yeah. eaten yeah and it will just I'll just keep doing it until it's really like suffocating and shit what's that I don't, I don't understand I don't, is that, and I don't know if that's just me or if that's no so... we, def- we definitely do that we yeah. like get into a we're like trying to figure a problem out that's not quite working with the lyric and we get a wormhole and then we've written we've written like t- way too many words that yeah. w- for the, yes they for rhyme a, a but they just never, sound it, never gonna end yeah. like, overthunk it yeah so I can get so excited by it so like the beginning it was just like oh we'll be talking and we're like maybe that's good maybe that's good and then you're like yeah that's it and they get really excited but this is the best song we've ever written <laughs> and then and then like and then just something changes and I'm like oh, this song so yeah. I'm embarrassed by it I hate myself but I can't stop and I have yeah. to carry on yeah and then you have to leave it like we always like record them and then um, we just leave yeah like you say leave them for even a few days and then come back and you can always have much better judgement over it yeah. yeah but it's really upsetting when you're like no that is still shit and like you say you've got to do like 20 poos before you get your golden egg whatever yeah. you said and I think that's partly also to do with like the linear education system we yes. grew up in because you kind of be like, I'm going to revise, then I'm going to do the exam, then I'm going to get the result. And we're obsessed with the result. So we can't stop until we've got a result. And not everything is a result. And actually, sometimes, uh, maybe with a particular thing, a shitty sort of mumble into your, you know, dictaphone is as good as it will get. And maybe that was that beautiful thing you created in that moment. And that's it. Move on. But you, I, I, sometimes I, I, I'm like, no, this has, I got to see myself doing this at the cap and <laughs> grand. And you know what I mean? How would this work? And then, so I'm actually forcing that idea that wasn't meant to, for that outcome. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to know as well when to just step back and be like, we, and we did this a lot on the last show. You're like, hang on a minute. Would I actually want to watch this? Yeah. Or would I, <laughs> do I actually, would I actually listen to this? Like you kind of, yeah, get to that point where it's like you've overthunk it and everything and then. And then it's like, oh no, that's it's probably good for someone, but I don't want to sit through that, so no. let's not put it on a stage. Um, and that's because you think that I think that's when, like, like you say, like you're thinking about the clapping ground or you're thinking about the venue, and then you're thinking about the audience, and then you're trying to think like an audience member watching you, and then it's getting too much. Yeah, like, and I think about the music videos. I yeah, think yeah. About, yeah. <laughs> I think about everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. A, a question we 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 kept saying, asking ourselves was like. Would I like this if I watched it? <laughs> it's like it's quite a basic question, but it's quite. Well, it's also quite a, a harsh question, though. Like if you do it too early on, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it will like true. it could also kill the innocence of an idea. Yeah, you know what I mean. But, but, but no, I think, but that's that's still better than will an audience enjoy this? Because at least you're still using your own barometer of like what's joyful for you, right? Yeah. So maybe it's fine. I don't know. But sometimes you do. You will spend a day two days, three days doing a thing and feel like you're a psychopath yes. and like miss out on things and just like damage your health and then you have to sit with it that all that 
for this shitty piece of non-rhyming <laughs> crap. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. That's you gotta make a piece with that. And that's something I struggle with. To be like, oh fuck. And my boyfriend comes back and he's you know, he's a therapist and he's like genuinely helping people and people's lockdown and their standard of life is significantly changed because of his contribution. <laughs> and yeah. then I'm like, oh, yeah, I wrote a song about whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, the tube or whatever. And it's yeah. like, and it was shit. <laughs> and you just got to sit with that. But I think so many artists have had that, like, so much. I remember speaking to Diane Chorley, to David, and he was, like, living with his brother, and his brother works at Whips Cross Hospital, and he's like... Oh my, I just, like, I feel so shit every day. Like, my brother goes and helps people, puts himself in danger at Whips Cross, and I'm just literally making stupid videos. And I'm like, no, your stupid videos are, like, giving me joy. Like, when I'm watching them, they're like, they are doing stuff. But I think, yeah, I think, every, I mean, I think that's, like, every single creative artist has to have the, what am I doing? There's no point in it. I'm useless. <laughs> on top of that, you also have a thing of, like, well, everyone wants to be a star. Shut the fuck up. Like, you know, like... And then you you get you get reminded that every time you go into an audition and you see like ten people who look like you and you're like oh I'm so replaceable like is there mm. is there a thing as well around actually the world needs more doctors they don't need more but they do they do need like artists are so vital I think I genuinely like but you know and I definitely every now and again I have a thing of like oh am I am I doing this just for validation am I doing this just because I'm like I love the idea of people clapping for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, what, what's really going on there? Yeah. Why do you perform, do you think? Because I like people clapping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just really got a kick out. Okay, dead honest, growing up, I really got a kick out of when someone would be like, oh, wow, that, that was great. And then whatever they said that to, I then did more of. Yeah. And... <laughs> Yeah. I can just see you as a child. <laughs> yeah. Sparkles, is it? It was funny it? first time, Moran. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. But I mean, in a, in a, in a way, that's like, oh, isn't every kid like that? Oh, yeah, I don't know. No, I don't know. But, but that, mm. and then also, uh, I do think about, you know, I read, read in a cartole book and it said, don't think about being on the red carpet. Think about the effect you're going to have on people. And it's really hard to stick by that because I keep thinking of myself on the red carpet uh, <laughs> and what outfit I'm wearing. Yeah. <laughs> but then I think, no, think about how you're going to make people feel. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> be good. Be, make it about other people. But there is something in... Uh, if uh, When I go to see something or I see, Art makes me feel so good. Mm. And a, like a good play or something that makes me cry or something that makes me dance, like music that can make me dance, like, is therapeutic. And so I think, oh, I could be in this world in a way that's, like, contributing beneficially. But then I'm also just always sceptical about my own ego and my own drive, like, where does it really come from? Like, there's a part of me that doesn't believe, like, yeah, right, Moan, yeah, right, you're doing this for other people, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you. But I think we, it's all... Like, we're doing it for, for for a multitude of reasons. I mean, I think I do it because I like it and people say, you know, well done. And then I go, oh, yeah, I do like it. But, yeah. yeah. But do you like the art or do you like the way your art is received? Or do you like the way your art is received and then what that says about you to yourself? Because I actually, there were a lot of gaps in my confidence mm. and there was a lot of insecurity going on that stand-up has helped me with. Mm. Like... 
I, you know, performing to people who like literally bullied me at school, like that's, and making them laugh. Yeah. And also making them laugh while saying the piss out of them. Like, whoa, that's new levels of, I never thought I could have that kind of power and autonomy. And is that healthy? Is that unhealthy? Like, I would not, I definitely wouldn't have the confidence that I have unless I was forced to have it because of my job. Like, you can't be, you can't do nine years of auditioning for things and continuously, like, have a nervous breakdown at auditions. You can't, mm. yeah. you know, like, that's part of the job is you go, fuck, I've got to do the coaching, I'll put the work in, I've got, however I do it, I've got to somehow walk into that room and convince them that, like, I got it, you know, and I, like, um, there's a level of extraordinariness going on here that they want to hire. Mm. Mm. But to do that, you have to, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, I would never ha- have done that if I, if I was in a job that didn't require that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I would, and it's affected the way I'm in my normal life, like, mm. hopefully for the better, I don't know. Yeah. I think so. I think you seem like a nice person. <laughs> well, well, the, well, that's the danger, isn't it? The tip it, it can... Or maybe it's just a performance. Yeah, we'll do yeah. this again in 10 years and we'll let you know like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> well, you, you... As long as it's the Netflix documentary, it's fine. <laughs> um, you went to Goliers. Goliers, right? Yeah, Billy Goliers. Was that... What was that like? <sighs> what... I only did the summer course because that's okay. all I could afford. It's not cheap, you know. Oh my god! And I did it not never have in, have done like I d- hadn't done any clowning before that, um, and so I went from like doing like really straight stand up like up the creek sets. You know what I mean? Like comedy store kind of. Oh, so straight so it was like later in your career that you went there. It wasn't... No, it was it was about six years. Ago. Right, but like I'd been doing a few years of stand up. Yeah. And so I went to it and I just had a horrible time, like a lot of people do, mm. because, you know, he obviously like is really like harsh and mm. gives you critique like, like, like you're not used to in the British education system. But what was worse was he just sort of ignored me. Like he, he just be like, ah, you're shit next. Huh? And that was worse because I was like, no, but I heard you like critique people and it breaks them and, and you have these like epiphanies and like you break down and you, you're reborn. Do that to me. And the fact that you just, I was like, fuck, I paid £2,000 for this course. And you're, just, <laughs> you're just gonna tell me to sit down every time I stand up. I was so angry. I was like, this fucking idiot. He took my money and I'm not funnier. <laughs> <laughs> I was guaranteed a breakdown. <laughs> so that was really hard, but then I hadn't. And I really thought, fuck, I don't think I'm a natural performer. Because he also said to us, there's two, every generation has two clowns. That's it. And I was like, oh, well, I guess that's Sasha Brown Cohen and whoever, you know, Dr. Brown. So I, felt, I was so disheartened. But then right after I had an Edinburgh booked, like months ago, I booked it. And so I had to go straight from Golia to Edinburgh. And I had like the worst first week in Edinburgh. And then I, certain things I absorbed from watching other people, the way he like peeled layers from other people. And you got to see people who you really didn't find funny. Mm. By the end, you you adored and loved and could see their vulnerability and could see what makes them funny as the innocent seven-year-old child they are deep inside. And so, yeah, and so then, like a week into Edinburgh, I like sort of scrapped my show and had turned it into a clowning show and then I improvised every day and then I had this really... I mean, it was still shit, but like, <laughs> like I had this really like great year of like figuring it the fuck out and physicalizing it and going up in front of the audience every day and like 
pushing myself and I did some weird shit and it was also like in the, it was quite zeitgeisty at the time where everyone was doing clowning and everyone was like yeah we're weird now and like <laughs> you know, everyone was doing a bit where they like you know hover grapes over their head for like 10 minutes and it was like you know what I mean but I needed to go through that because mm. I, I found my joy and they, it made me do this this is probably why I'm doing the songs now it's probably why I'm like like embodying some more of the dance stuff yeah I like there's so much power in like clashing weird with like truthful yeah you know were you not doing songs before no ah. I was doing fairly box standard stand up and not very good <laughs> but you know just like you see your yeah. you see your average stand up comedian you know grown up it was always the guy wasn't it with yeah, the yeah. mic in his hand a t-shirt jeans usually a white guy usually a bit I don't know middle aged mm. And so you just do your impression of what yes. you think comedy is. Yeah. And then you go to a course like that and this old French guy is telling you about running away with the circus and and using, you know, you're you not an acrobat, you're not a fire breather, you have nothing important or skillful to do but your stupidity. And you you stand there and if you don't make them laugh with your stupidity, the, the train that night, the circus train leaves without you, they don't need you. And so, like, you're standing backstage with the lights in your face, listening to this fantastical 1930s circus, French circus story, and you're like, oh, like, I'm connecting with, like, mm. the origins of, like, you know, jesters. This is fucking cool. And it makes you look at your whole art form in a new way. I, I totally connect with that feeling, like, because stand-up, the idea of being a stand-up terrifies me. I could never be a stand-up. It's not, I don't, I just... It's, I just find that really scary. <laughs> yeah. But also those programs like Light Taskmaster, but also those like panel shows and even like Graham Norton, like that, the idea of that ever going on that like terrifies me. I'd be like, N I could me too. never ever do that. <laughs> well, Taskmaster is different, I think. Yeah. There's a, there was a lot of love in that room mm. and it was really fun. But yeah, so that I think in, in a way it's quite an easy show to do. I found it harder in the studio. Right, yeah. Because there was there's a because of covid we're yeah. all quite far mm. apart but even apart from that actually the studio is the most panel showy it gets yeah because then you are like oh, i'm in a room with six funny funny people and yeah. some of them i've like you know grown up watching and can i can i occupy this space can mm. i be an equal here mm. and and that i yeah i had that quite a lot actually but, like, it takes a lot for me, you know? Like, deep inside, there's, like, a sensitive, scared mm. person who's, like, who's worried that, like, they're going to make a dick of themselves or yeah. or that they're not as funny or they don't belong, you know? And I think that's a lot, you know, and also a lot of these places that I'm moving into and, in the, the, like, the mainstream world, you know, I'm often the only person of colour. I'm often the only queer person. And so then, like, I have to just have an extra long talk with myself and, like, do that extra work to just be like, you got this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Do you and you got to hold like, your own hand. Do you feel pressure because of that, because of that, like, kind of external identity? Like, oh, I'm, I, I'm, do you feel like any, in representing, like, 
communities or do you not give a shit I, like, don't think I try that. not to give a shit because yeah, it's such not. a heavy yeah. weight on yeah. your shoulders yeah. to be like I represent the tiger sometimes yeah. people will place that on you yeah. so like you know like in this sort of writer's room context you know there's a thing of like oh uh, there's a brown character you know everyone looks to you and they're like <laughs> please tell us about your people <laughs> you're like well yes on behalf of all the Imran's I would say <laughs> and you have to be like no fuck that and I've actually been very really vocal about that and being and like pushing especially since Black Lives matter mm. like being like i had this huge chat with my agent about like what can we do like on a daily basis to like you know like can we can we have a, like in our rider can we have that like why why aren't there more people of color on the lineup like why am i the only one uh you know who who are the execs on on this tv show we're doing like all of the all of the tv shows i've done the execs have always been white mm. and the two that i did that weren't uh, one with it, one of them was about honor killings. The other was about terrorism, mm. and that's a that's a fucked up landscape to yeah. be in. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, what can we do to like change that in some way? And so like also just understanding that and like doing my own research around that that those politics, so I can come to this project not being like, oh, I don't belong here. I'm not. I'm not good enough. I've, I I haven't seen anyone like me doing exactly what I'm doing, so I'm probably not going to pull it off. And being like, no, it's it's not always me. It's, it's it's them as well. Why does the power lie with certain people? And like, actually, can I can I use like the opportunity I'm given to like, like the How Gay Is Pakistan documentary? Like, fuck, if I saw that when I was seventeen, if I saw that on telly, that would have changed everything. Mm. I would have had a much easier ride and probably saved myself from some of the trauma as well. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but it wasn't right. Yeah. <laughs> And, but, and also, like, what's amazing is, is that you're, like, occupying now a really mainstream space. And, like, I I, I, I watched Graham Norton and I, I just fucking loved that you had, like, your nails were painted. You'd, like, you'd gone and the, your outfit, like, everything about it, you'd, like, it, you were taking up such a, a a major kind of visual space on that right, show. Right, right, yeah. Like, it, and, it, and it just feels, and, it, and I don't know, it's just, it kind of feels exciting that you're kind of having that mainstream success and that you can do that yeah yeah but it's a constant like it's a constant trip you know like going from like oh this is too soon and i can't i don't actually have the skill set <laughs> yeah to, like no i think i can get away with this to oh not only can i get away with this i need to like i need to like fuck shit up here yeah and actually yeah. There's, there's a lot about this world that i disagree with yeah and i think is making people feel stifled and put in boxes and so can i contribute in a way can i not just do it and get away with it can i do it and do it in a way which like alleviates certain people identities or like does some good and you know that's why i think i mean i articulated that question really badly but it feels like you're fucking shit up in a really kind of sly way because it's, yeah, it's, it's subversive it? yeah. it's yeah, subversive totally. and you're not ex- you don't have to explain anything but it's like it's a little yeah, challenging to never justify. Lose yellow nail, and you just yeah, and, and it's never so justify. Important. Yeah, you have but to justify. Yeah. But even doing that is so small, isn't it? Just having your nails painted. Yeah. But even during, you know, like you, you go turn up and say, you're like, oh, you, there's a part of you, <laughs> there's a there's a part of you that goes, oh, I've turned up to school, you know, in my slippers. <laughs> <laughs> and I say, I think I say that because that's something that generally happened one day. <laughs> <laughs> I, t- I would think it was like year three and I just forgot and I turned up in my you like big fluffies little did they know I was fucking shit up in yeah. nursery <laughs> but you know there's that part you want to like crumble up and die inside because it's like what are you doing you're standing out in the wrong way people are going to be like what a dickhead what is he doing yeah 
and then another part of you, as long as the other part is strong enough, goes, yeah. nah, this is exciting. And it is, like, even for, like, like, me, old, old me, but, like, you know, like, I've seen the same TV and seen the same old crap, and, like, maybe I'm not, like, a young, queer man with Pakistani heritage, but I don't what? want to see... What? Tell me now! <laughs> Jeez! Go on, guys! Um, like, but I don't want to see... I also don't want to see the same stuff that... It, so, it, like, it's also exciting for people that, like, don't immediately, obviously, identify in the same way. Like, it goes so deep, those kind of things. Which is Any so many more people than they, than they think... Yeah. exist yeah. in these small mm. uh, TV meetings. Yeah. And you've, you, you know, we've been in those TV meetings where they're like, we've, you know, our audience numbers are this. Yeah. These are the people we've identified demographics. Yeah. And they look like this and they and behave so like linear. this. Yeah. It's the same meetings they had when they were colonising parts of Asia. And <laughs> like they were, it was, it's all boxed up and this is how we're going to divide Africa is line, straight line. Boom, yeah. boom, boom. Yeah. And I know that's a f- weird comparison, but there's something in that. Like there's no room there's no room to colour outside the lines. I'm sorry, but just no. And then every now and again, someone needs to come along and just, yeah, and do do that fuckery. Otherwise, people have no room to feel liberated. Mm. I feel like that's a really cool. good Cool, end the note on colonialism. <laughs> <laughs> we bought it round, didn't we? You shut Thanks up. Very much. <laughs> that was the charming dreamboat Moan Rizwan. Next time on Curtain Twitches, we'll be joined by performance art pop starlet Lucy McCormick. I'm mostly doing like studio work and, and kind of thinking about the future and working on next shows, which is quite, it's actually great because the worst part of making a show is doing it. <laughs> the worst yeah. part of making a show is the deadline. Yes. And so most of my projects at the moment is just sort of fannying around in a room um, and sort of not having any shows to do, actually do. <laughs> this is like the it's dream. Lovely. It's the actual dream. <laughs> That's Lucy McCormick coming up next time on Curtain Twitches. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We really do. Mm, yeah, we do. And don't forget to subscribe because that will help our rankings in the podcast charts. We think. We actually don't really know how any Honestly, of that works, to be honest. It, but just subscribe. Um, and as always, do drop us a line on the old socials to let us know you're listening and that we're not just talking into a dark, airless void. We are at Borge Maurice on Twitter and Instagram. That's B-O-U-R-G-M-A-U-R-I-C-E. Yes. It's funny on that, isn't it? Yeah. Because it doesn't actually make it easier, necessarily. No, it's just a lot Borg. of letters and Borg vowels. sounds to me like I have an E at the end of it, but it doesn't. It doesn't. Borg. Borg Maurice, but with a U. Okay, Hope we'll catch clear. you next time. Bye. <laughs> Cut and twitches with cut and twitches. Cut and twitches.